Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And it's good to be with you back in the saddle, Father. And we're so... <laughs> you forgot how to use these mics and you forgot to put the pop guard on it. Well... Hopefully we don't have any pops. Um, I we're all right. I gave it to you, right? It's fine. No, you didn't. It's sitting right over there. Oh, here it is. Here you go, Father. You can put it on I'll if you want. I'll take the blame. <clears throat> we don't want any popping going on. And Father Shane, we are back in the studio in the new vocations office in the diocese. Um, here on the second floor. Yes, the uh, new vocations time. office. New vocations office, no windows. But we I want to back you, together. I want to say something. We are, mm-hmm. and it feels so good. <laughs> Reunited. If you um, feels. if you turn your head just slightly to the left behind you, you'll notice a plant that's growing on that on that table. I want to describe the miraculous character of this plant to you because I'm not sure how it's growing. Please do. And I hope it actually becomes an analogy for vocations ministry in the diocese. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I bought this plant for about fifteen dollars at Walmart when I first moved here. And it was the it had those dark leaves, and it said it needed minimal sunlight. But if I know anything about sixth grade science, photosynthesis still needs sunlight, right? A bit. There's no windows in this office, and that None. plant has not seen sunlight since I put it in here two months ago. Wow. But look at those green shoots. How tall are those green shoots? It's like a jungle in here. It's like a jungle. <laughs> These things are just exploding. They're huge. And I forget to water it often, and the other ladies in the office here walk by, and they're astonished by the growth of this plant. So I hope that the growth of this plant can be, you know, um, something of an analogy for the growth of vocations in the diocese. However, I hope that it's not because I just ignore it, leave it in this office, and nothing happens with it. That was so deep and beautiful, Father. Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, Michelle, your colleague here. Absolutely. She does a lot of work with the plants around here. So are you sure she's not coming in here and giving it tender, loving care when you're not around? she told me that she hasn't watered it. Oh, and she's been astonished by it. So okay. if the plant, if the plant lover, plant caregiver, is also impressed by it, um, yeah. But those those shoots they came out of nowhere. And look at those little tiny guys. There's two or three little ones coming up. Little too. tiny three little ones are coming. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just the 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 abundant fecundity of yes, new life that yes. is springing forth That's, the vocations office. Yeah, youthfulness. You know, one might so say so youthful. Yeah. <laughs> so youthful after the middle aged vocation director hit the road. That's right. Yeah. But we're here. Uh, new desk, too. It's kind of exciting. Um, but I did, everybody, I did have this nice little setup here at the desk from last couple last weeks when we um, recorded virtually. Mm-hmm. And then I just had to kind of pull everything out. Now it looks disgusting and um, mangled cords all over the place. So, well, trying to make do. We will, I don't think you suffer from OCD, but we're going to put it all back so it looks nice. You're like, and you're like I don't remember reading that in your file, but maybe I missed yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> It's right behind us. We can check. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> in the file, but we're going to put it all back so you feel comfortable and that your desk space you. looks I secure. Appreciate that. I'm not one of those people who has to have a clean desk, as you've known for many years. Which is interesting because you're so particular about so many things. I know, but the and desk then all of a sudden not of, particular sacristies, desks, these things that you'd assume there'd be a lot of particularity behind. Not so much. Not so much. Usually wrapped in so many other things that the desk just multiple becomes, colors of wood in a chapel in high school absolutely drive you nuts. Does there's <laughs> does like 17 tones of wood in the uh, John Paul II <laughs> chapel at Healing, but that's another story. Thirty sacristy doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> we work first on. things first. That's there was great. we were. 
Father Shane, it's good to have you back in Sioux City. It's good to it's be back. It's been seven consecutive weeks since you've been gone, huh? Mm, probably about, more like more nine. We, we're seven weeks into the school year, back in town. And you went before for, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, back in town for a wedding of former students. Shout out to Maddie Hubble and Brooke Rector on the day of their wedding. Exciting. And um, in God's providence, we also gathered yesterday for the funeral of the father of Garrett Hugeback, one of our mm. seminarians. Yeah. Michael died very tragically, and that funeral just happened to be the day that I was planning on coming back to Iowa anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so despite the heavy circumstances of that, it was good to gather with seminarians, a lot of clergy, yeah, um, monks of Conception Abbey who came up from Missouri to pray and to offer their condolences. So it's good to be home for these really poignant moments mm-hmm. in the life of the church and in the life of so many people here locally. And always good to sneak in some podcast recording time Why for not? the good people of Outcast Catholic Listening Land, I have to make an apology, Michelle Cronister. Listen, so if you're listening to this, I hope you are. Um, I'll come and see your family in St. Louis. I've, I know I've been gone for a little bit, but I didn't know there was so much tension here. Listen, I watched the first episode of She-Hulk and popped off some comments about it. I have since watched some other episodes and think it's fine. But Father Shane informed me that you're unhappy with my kind of... She takes a different point of view. ...my take on it, and I'm not a woman. Um we asked the question before, what is a woman from Matt Walsh? Um, uh-huh. And I know that I'm not. And I know that you have a different perspective on the feminine genius. So She'll reach um, out. Yeah, reach out. <laughs> it's an opportunity for dialogue, discussion, debate, tossing around ideas. It is. No hard feelings. Putting the dumb young priest in his place when he thinks he can no, pop yeah, off. No hard stuff. feelings. Oh, that's funny. Sorry, Michelle. A uh, shout out to all these people I keep meeting who watch the podcast. Uh, none of the ni- names Listen to, to the podcast? Um, watch She-Hulk, listen to the podcast, correct? <laughs> this is an audio recording um but yeah it's so good to run into all these people around Siouxland and beyond excellent yes father uh as you've known in the news in recent days um the national headlines have been dominated by a lot of headlines that have come out out of the east with the recent developments of hurricane fiona and then also later hurricane ian mm-hmm. um doesn't really impact us directly here in the midwest uh in terms of actual devastation. But it does affect us as a nation. It does affect us as a people, certainly in the aid, charity, and prayers that we want to offer for any other's suffering. Uh, when, one part is, when one part of the country suffers, we all suffer. It's not just kind of, oh, it's those people over there out of mind and not our problem. Um, so there is a collective union, and there is a collective sharing in as the body of Christ on earth and as the, as the human family. Anytime a national tragedy hits, and you see so much uh, destruction, devastation. Hurricane Ian is now proving to be one of the most deadly hurricanes that have struck Florida in recent memory. Mm. Uh, and I did read one estimate that the insurance one insurance analyst is predicting that this um, develop or redevelopment and rebuilding effort is probably going to cost somewhere around sixty three billion dollars, mm. uh, which is a staggering number for any world economy to be able to handle and for people who to kind of rebuild their lives, families who have lost loved ones in death, families who have lost their homes, families who have lost businesses, um, you know, and, and, and that also in change, changes the environment. You know, there might be flooded out areas, uh, beaches that really impact the tourism business, other businesses, environmental yeah. factors, all of that could be permanently shifted. Um, so I've just been praying a lot about that recently and, and asking the question, where is the hand of God in all of this? 
if, if you've been watching this devastation as these families are trying to rebuild their lives, as they're struggling now for food and water, uh, just for basic shelter, uh, trying to find loved ones that might be lost or separated, trying to get you know aid and supplies into critically needy people, perhaps at hospitals or something, or nursing homes. Where is the hand of the Lord speaking in all of this? Uh, what is Jesus saying to us in all of this? Um, so I've just been praying a lot with this. You know, what does the Lord say in the midst of these tragedies? One of the one of the things that comes to mind was actually a a line from Saint Faustina's diary. Saint Faustina, the the famous Polish nun of the 1930s, who received a number of visions of our Lord and other saints, but particularly from our Lord as he was revealing to her that he was charging her with being his emissary to the world to to spread devotion to divine mercy, to get the second Sunday of Easter declared as Divine Mercy Sunday for the good of the church, and to help prepare humanity through her message, through her diaries, through her writings and devotions, prepare the world for his second coming as just judge, in which he reminds the world, uh, prepare now with my mercy before you ever have to deal with the effects of my justice. And in, in one of the passages that Faustina wrote in her diary, our Lord was speaking to her in May or June of 1938. So it's early summer, 1938. And uh, this is from paragraph 1728. The Lord is saying, don't run from my merciful heart because he keeps speaking to us. And then he goes on to describe how he speaks to humanity. He says, I'm speaking to them through their remorse of conscience through their failures and sufferings, through thunderstorms, and through the voice of the church. And that thunderstorm little phrase has always popped out at me, uh, in which you know we certainly know from sacred scripture, uh, like the Psalms, for example, that the Lord speaks to us through the majesty and awe-inspiring wonder of creation. But he refers to this in his private revelations to Faustina, uh, that he is actually trying to speak to humanity even through thunderstorms. And I've been wrestling and thinking and pondering about that in, in light of these recent hurricanes that have caused so much devastation. How is the Lord speaking in the midst of that? Uh, so many might be saying, well, I don't see how God could possibly be in the midst of this. If he is speaking, he must be a terribly wicked and, and mean and unjust God. Look at all this devastation. Look at the lives lost. But are there deeper ways in which the Lord might be speaking? Um, I've got a few thoughts, but what's striking you so far? I think that question right away, what is God saying, <clears throat> is really important because I don't think most people assume God is so close and eminent in those moments. Mm-hmm. They think of big, mean, kind of bully grandfather figure God up on the clouds who just makes things happen or hurls down hailstones like crumbs, as the Psalms say. And the question is usually, why are you doing this? Why? Why? How? Mm-hmm. Why? Why is a good God doing this? Why? Rather than asking this more intimate and more kind of difficult questions in some way that can't just be thrown away, what is God saying in this? Mm-hmm. Um, because in the midst of tragedy, whether it's whether it's just death and, and family or it's this like mass experience of destruction of life, of property, of the environment, what are you saying? In those moments of tragedy so often, God does reveal himself through relationships and people talk after the fact of how powerful the presence of God was in these people. My hometown, little Verina, Iowa, was hit by a tornado in 2011. Mm-hmm. Thank God nobody died. Thank God my house wasn't hit with my family. I was out of town when it happened, but my family was there, and I couldn't get back into town the next morning because 
gas leaks and things like that. But people came from everywhere. People mm-hmm. just like from Missouri, from Joplin, wherever, and just, oh, people were struck by a tornado. We were struck by a tornado. So, bam, we're going to go help them. Mm-hmm. They just got in the car and drove up. And to see the, really to see like the, the charity and the humanity that was present of seeing the other person, it was so evident that God was speaking. Mm-hmm. I think that's why that question is so important that you're asking, what is God saying in the midst of this? That's such a good kind of orientation to take when we, when we encounter tragedy. God, what are you saying? You're always speaking. You're always desiring to reveal yourself. What are you saying right now? Rather than that kind of defensiveness, which is natural, but to just say, why would you do this? How mm-hmm. dare you do this? Mm-hmm. And then kind of turn our back on him. Because um, he's not turning his back on us. He's revealing himself. But like you just said, we see through the scriptures, his revelation looks different in different times, different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that aid and that charity that can pop out in the midst of natural disasters, I think it's one of the reasons that our Lord allows and permits these things to happen. Because through that immense expression of love and, and union that comes through the shared suffering of a natural disaster, the body of Christ is naturally built up, mm-hmm. right? Um, I have never been in a hurricane. Uh, I've only been able to watch weather reporters standing outside, you know, reporting this, you know, and we're coming to you live. The winds are at 110 <laughs> miles an hour. I'm trying to hold on for my life. Yeah, they just fly but we're going to keep we're going to keep broadcasting here, folks, because right. we have to be outside during all of this. Maybe it'd be nice <clears throat> for us to broadcast in some severe weather sometime. Well, maybe we should. Maybe people write in if you'd like us to kind of tackle a Midwest thunderstorm to make you feel less outcast, which actually would be like one of the most Midwest things to do is just like record this on a porch while we watch a tornado like roll just right down the road um, with the grain bins rolling down the road um, as well. Uh, grain bins. Well, the actual, if it's if the tornado is right. hitting, the grain bins actually might be rolling That's down the road. The grain carts, right. however, might be a little further away. That's right. That's right. Um, if the grain bins are rolling over and we're on the porch, we, we're, this not severe laying, weather. we're not staying on the yes. porch. Anyways, I've never been in a tornado, or excuse me, a hurricane standing outside with these like 120 mile an hour winds ruffling my hair and everything else around. Um, First concern. Yeah, not really. Um, I can imagine standing in the midst of a, of a hurricane and just being awestruck with wonder. Like what, I don't know what it feels like to have like winds at 120 miles an hour, you know, knocking me over. Um, but it, it has to speak of the power and the majesty of God as one of his attributes. Uh, and I think he does that so often through nature, especially, you know, in these moments where there's just immense power, whether that's a hurricane, a tornado, an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's speaking there, revealing characteristics and, and attributes of his majesty, of his sheer power. Mm-hmm that these things are, are just so easy for him. Not that he's sitting on a cloud just zapping us saying, I want a tornado now, let's go dazzle them. Yeah. But um, the beauty of God, the grandeur of God, his majesty and splendor, it's all speaking through nature. I'm glad you said that. I was thinking of that poem by Hopkins that we, <clears throat> that we reflected on before. God's grandeur is present in nature. And yeah, this is, it's kind of speculative of like, well, why? Are there these natural disasters that are just occurring and just God zap his, um, zap his fingers to make them happen or snap his fingers and zap the thing to make it happen? No, but what, what is clear is that, just like St. Therese says, the world is thy ship, not thy home. Mm-hmm. And these moments where our ta- we, like, we build our towers of Babel and they can crumble so quickly. When I saw these houses, like there was a house that looked like a, like a card house that fell mm-hmm. on top of it. 
And I mean, in the plains in Verina, it's like, this looks like a normal place to build homes. Mm-hmm. I've always think, thought about this in the mountains. When you see houses built in the mountains, you're like, those don't belong there. Like th- that just looks too wild for a house to be built somewhere um, like that. <clears throat> but when there's these natural disasters, it just reminds us like, we can't build our kingdom on this earth. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's absolutely tragic when wherever we happen to be, a flood sweeps through or hurricanes happen. And I saw this from the effects of a hurricane in, in Honduras, and now there's poverty-stricken like mountainsides all over where we're helping build houses. But it always reminds us, wait, this isn't, we're not building this kingdom here. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't going to last. Like, even if we build the nicest, most secure place, it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. Um, erosion's going to happen. Floods are going to happen. These things are going to happen. And with that, because we know that this isn't our kingdom, because we know this world is our ship uh, leading us towards the ultimate kingdom of, of heaven, that automatically has to inspire a sense of dependence mm. on him within us, right? If you, if you realize I am dependent on him, I am not the, the source and the originator of all my security and all my safety. How many prayers were offered up to God in the days leading up to Ian striking? Mm. And how many days were, or how many prayers were happening as Ian struck Cuba, Florida, South Carolina? How many prayers have been offered up during the recovery effort? Um, I think our, our Lord knows that these things can be permitted. If it's sparking a deeper sense of communion and dependence on him, mm-hmm. he is speaking in the midst of that to say, come to me, mm-hmm. and I will provide for you more deeply than these homes or anything else you know, might be able to provide for you. Mm-hmm. If that dependency is happening, uh, if it's sparking deeper communion and relationship, then our Lord's going to allow these things to happen. Make sense? It does, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is not real easy to talk about, and it's never going to make the national headlines in the secular media, is that I think our Lord can also use these things as a form of chastisement on humanity. And I think we just have to admit that in terms of our theological tradition. Um, are we sinners? Yes. Does God have every single right to just smote the earth and just annihilate all of us because of the great sins that we've committed against his love and injustice. And I know I say this, but to be clear again, it's sin is not just some breaking of an arbitrary rule. Mm-hmm. If that was the case and he was just this mean bully who gave us arbitrary rules so that if we broke them, we'd get in trouble. I saw a video recently that kind of like leaned into that to, to make it seem like sin is just so arbitrary. No, when we break the natural law, like when we don't treat each other as humans mm-hmm. or recognize God as God, like that's what sin is. That's where you're getting at. Right. And so anything that's done against that objective standard from the eternal law of heaven that we participate in here on earth, anything that offends the Lord's majesty who created us in goodness um, to, to be in communion with his love, anytime we walk away from that or just say, you know, screw that, I'm not going to be part of this divine sense of love yeah. and law, um, well, the Lord has every right to be, you know, um, upset with us. <laughs> And again, he's not a he's not throwing a hissy fit. He's not a temperamental lord, but just the the objective standard as it exists in heaven and will for all eternity, justice itself in the eternal law is constantly violated here on earth. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has every right to inflict chastisement on us. Now, am I saying that people of Cuba, Florida, and South Carolina are bigger sinners than the rest of the world? No, um, but I think the Lord weaves together lessons in there to say, um, not only reminding us that this is in our homeland, uh, but also reminding us that we are dependent not only on him for communion, but dependent on a bigger sense of justice uh, that has to constantly be uh, 
striven for as we as we move forward in, yeah. in a sense of human justice. Yeah, and the like totally tolerant universalism that people carry around, it doesn't take to account for that. Mm-hmm. Like St. Paul, this is like, if I mean, if we are biblical Christians, St. Paul says the wages of sin are death. Mm-hmm. Jesus also said that in this world you're going to find trouble, but take courage, I've conquered the world. Now that world, like the world, the devil, like what does that mean? Um, but yeah, in this world that is passing away, we're finding trouble. Mm-hmm. And the wages of sin that we still experience is death, destruction. Um, again, perhaps not because God is smoting us with that, but that is the consequence of turning away from God who is life. Mm-hmm. Um, and to recognize that there is real justice and there is real mercy. But so often this idea that God is, he's all loving. Why would he do anything that's not perfectly loving? Um, but we, <laughs> that's often in our own mind of what love is. Mm-hmm. Uh, make it the most comfortable experience for me possible. Don't give me any opportunity to sacrifice and to be charitable, like you said. Um, yeah, but this opportunity to turn back in conversion and love when we experience these moments of lack of dependence or where we need dependency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be interesting to go out into the streets and just do a, a random survey of people you know, on sidewalks and just ask them, if they believe that there's a God, do you think God's pissed at the world? Mm. I would say most people would say yes. I yeah. mean, just look around. It doesn't take a genius to figure out there's a lot of sin, there's a lot of destruction, war, crime, violence, all kinds of things. Yeah. If, if you do believe in God and you believe that she should be the source of all beauty, love, justice, truth, um, obviously the world's pretty messed up. And so to, get, for, to find ways and to allow ways to get our attention and to say we're moving beyond, um, we're moving beyond just uh, what we say we can control, what, how we feel completely independent on ourselves, that's not what our Lord's seeking. He is seeking deeper communion, and he's going to speak to us even through the midst of these tragedies. Yeah. So our prayers and our thoughts go out to all of those who are suffering from natural tragedies, especially the victims of recent hurricanes. Um, but as we think about how natural tr- disasters can affect all of us in our respective communities and cultures and countries, uh, let's not forget to think about the ways that the Lord has continued to speak through all those things. Yeah. Well, well said, Father Shane. Good to see you in person. Good to be back and, here, uh, Father. Good travels back to St. Louis. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.